0: Okay, Hebrews 4, and we are in a section here that needs a little organization in our minds so we can see what the author of Hebrews is doing. There's basically a parenthetical section for Hebrews 4, 7 through 10, because verse 11 picks up on the thought of verse 6. Let me show you that. Hebrews 4 6, Since therefore it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. Then he has this quote from Psalm 95 and Joshua, and then he proves there is a rest left for us to enter. And then he comes back in verse 11 and says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter. So they failed to enter. Let us be diligent that we do. So in your mind, 7 through 10 is basically parenthetical. And... 14 picks up on this theme of rest versus disobedience. There's there's a lot of things here that's just (laughs) very interesting and I'll I'll try to point these out as we go along. But we were on verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Now that was uh, a reference to verse 7 where it says today uh, if you hear his voice. And the point is, David was many years after Joshua. And David says to David, he his voice enter rest. So, that, so clearly, had Joshua exhausted the promise of rest by going to the promised land, there would not be no reason for David to talk about it today in his era. So therefore, there must be further significance to the concept of entering rest than just the people going into the promised land. And so, what we have then is that being applied now to New Testament, particularly Hebrew Christians, but it applies to all of us, that we need to make sure we enter that promise for us because the day for that rest is today, which is the day of Messianic salvation. Okay. So the entrance into the promised land had not fulfilled the promise, otherwise Psalm 95 would not promise yet another. So um, Canaan, in a sense, is a type or of something better that lies ahead. That's what verse 8 is about. Okay, let's look up our cross-references. Where should we start? Let's start back over here. Uh, Kathy, Deuteronomy 12.9, Sam, Deuteronomy 25, 19. Norma, Joshua one fifteen, And Tim, Joshua 23, 1. And Pete, Hebrews eleven thirteen to 15. You got Deuteronomy 12, 9, Still Okay. We are not as yet, yet come. It says, You have not yet come to the rest that God gave you. So I'm quoting that to establish the fact that the term rest was applied to the promised land in in Moses' day. Okay, Uh, Deuteronomy 25, uh, 19. Okay, again, the term rest is used in Deuteronomy to describe what would happen after they entered the land and conquered the enemies. Okay, and then Joshua 1:15, Norman? Until the Lord, <clears throat> until the Lord has given you rest, as He has
1: given you, and they
0: also have
1: possessed the land.
0: Again, the idea was they would go into the land and they would give, get gain rest. Um, and then Joshua twenty-three one, Tim. This is something like another verse one of my favorites. The second
1: New
0: Living
1: Okay. The verse is that the Lord said to Moses and Aaron. Okay. It's something like that. After a long
0: time has passed and the Lord had given Israel rest, enemies around them. That's all there
1: goes. <laughs> now, no it goes. there's a little more of
0: Okay, so well the point is that they had received rest. So then uh, w- let's talk about that. Those verses say that they actually did go in and they received rest. David said, today, says um, today, and then he talks about the failure to a rest. So well, how can that be true? How can they have had rest and then there needs to be rest? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about this first and I'll get to peace. We have salvation now and future. Yeah, they already, know, uh, yeah. In, 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 like Dave, like Solomon being David's son and Jesus being David's greater son. You know, there's the one and the many and there's uh, already the not yet. Yeah. We emphasize that. That helps you understand how the Bible works. That the, the roots of prophecy are in the history. And in history, things happen sometimes repeatedly that are pointing to the ultimate similar thing but the greater thing in the future. And that can be true for good things and bad things. For instance, the abomination of desolation. If you read about that in Daniel, there's actually two prophecies about it. One of them is a prophecy about Antiochus Epiphanes that happened in 165, 167... BC. That's prophesied in Daniel 11, I think. But there's another abomination of desolation that's yet future, and Jesus mentioned that as being yet future. So, in a sense, the Antiochus Epiphanes is a former under of Antichrist. Okay? And so the roots of prophecy are in history. And so things happen repeatedly in history that are pointing towards one great happening at the very end. Okay, so that's how that works. Hebrews 11:13 to 15 Although all these and from a distance, and exiles for those who say such things seeking a country their and indeed, been thinking that to Okay, the, uh, the reason I had that one on my list here was to show that even for these Old Testament saints they said they died in faith without having received the promises. So there's something yet that they were looking forward to that never happened in their lifetime.
1: I'm been debating on Greg Boyd's site. Um, His new book Seeing is Believing is he calls imaginative prayer, spirit inspired, imaginative prayer rescue. Arguments and saying that a fictional uh, anti events is not the gospel. Uh, Finally, got him in a corner, and the guy says, "Well, we're not claiming that resting in Christ is the gospel; it's a therapy." And I said, "Well, and I'm using this verse to say if you're claiming to find rest in Christ, and you're claiming that this exercise brings you freedom and power to forgive, and calling it resting in Christ, you are claiming it's the gospel." Well, what they're what they're doing is
0: denying the efficacy of the gospel itself. Yes. It, the, it's bad God bad. gave me rest for the gospel. was well, not good enough, so I need to have this imaginary Jesus come into my subconscious mind and talk to me, and then I can feel good. Right,
1: the bait and switch. Yeah. And
0: here's the bait and the switch. Well, Todd Friel is going to try to arrange a debate between me and Greg Boyd on that topic, so I don't know if it will happen.
1: I think it's important, you like might get into this later, too, is part of the problem is, is we have entered the rest of Messiah and be very clear in the, in the scripture but there still remains a rest for us to enter. We have not entered the fullness of experiencing the rest that we have in Christ and that's not going to happen until our salvation is consummated. You get that later on. you know, The second time he appears is for those who are anxiously waiting for him.
0: So it gets into this Thing and you look at the things that happen all these attempts to enter into this ultimate rest, and it's apart from God's means of you've entered messianic rest right now, be content with what you have,
1: be content with what I've given you, and wait until the sun arrives on the, in the second coming mm-hmm. to, fulfill, yeah. to complete it. Right. And that's why faith, then you get into um, <clears throat> Hebrews 12 faith and patience.
0: Do, promise. Well, I think that's quite interesting with that passage that Pete cited. It says they died in faith having not received the promises. The people who try to tell you that if you really have faith, then you're going to have it all right now. That's a counterexample, that verse. Because how, how do you die in faith while receiving promises? Well, because throughout your life you put your trust in God and, and you're rewarded for that. And uh, in, some, in some cases, the promise even Moses didn't enter the promised land, but he died in faith.
1: And you know what's interesting
0: about that, too, is you look at that hall of faith that you have in Hebrews 11, and it goes through people that God worked through uh, mightily in the sense of miracles and conquering kingdoms and shutting them off of lions. But then you also, he, he knows people that were sought to that people that, you know, and he says the people that suffer greatly.
1: Even though yeah. obviously they hadn't entered this ultimate rest yet, because in the ultimate rest these these things aren't going to happen. But the author of Hebrews says
0: these are ones that the world wasn't even worthy of. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the verse you just quoted is, is is proof positive that the Old Testament saints were saved the same way we are through faith, yeah. looking forward to the Messiah, and also not having the rest is the very same reason that there's so much. Uh, cultish and bad type activity going on in the church today is that all these things that come up have no substance to them, but people are reaching for the rest in Christ. They're looking for something. And they're looking for that spiritual yeah. magic exactly. and it's just resting in Christ. As a matter of fact, when I have conversations with, with people over these issues, and I have been doing this for 25 years, I um, A lot of what leaves people in the air is just an unwillingness to be content with the way life is now as a Christian. And wanting heaven before, I mean, they want to make heaven on earth so they're not content. But there is no magic bullet. You just get further from the gospel and, and you get worse. And, and it's already not yet. Boy, that concept just has to be in your mind to understand the New Testament. Really do. For example, just think about sin. It says in um, Romans 6 that sin no longer reigns over us because we've been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. But then it says, do not let sin reign. So, there, and, then, and in Romans 7, Paul says, O oh, wretched man that I am, I do wish I well done. So, obviously, you have a tension there of substantial, legal, legally we're free. Sin doesn't own us. Satan doesn't own us. Practically, we have changed lives. But ultimately, uh, until the resurrection, we're still sinners. Amen. And so, if you just read the whole thing, you'll have a nice balance. Sheet. Somebody will come along and say, Oh, no. That doesn't work, we've this magic bullet and you're going to be perfected now. And Charles Finney, for example, started this whole thing. Worst heretic in the last 200 years, come into the church.
1: But he was going to teach, oh, that's not good
0: enough. If you follow my means, then you're going to be perfect now. And whenever you strive for perfection now, all you do is just get further from the Gospel. You set aside the Gospel so you can do it. Yeah, exactly. You always got to go back to human effort or something like that. And the same thing here. Now, let's, let me read these next three verses that show you that you have to incorporate the already not yet to understand rest. It says in verse 9, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The future. For the one who has entered, past, has rested from his work as God did. Verse 11, let us be therefore diligent to enter that rest. So, do you see that tense... The way it's playing around with tenses here. Uh, and it's very much like in Romans 5 where there's three tenses of salvation in about four verses. We have been saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. Now, is this contradictory? No. They're, they're just talking about different aspects of the rest. Whenever a person comes to Jesus Christ as Lord and is saved and trusts in Messiah, that person at that moment enters into rest. You're in an into Messianic rest. You 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 rest from your works, you're resting from the works righteousness. Amen. You're resting from whatever sin you, you, whatever course you were pursuing that was going to lead you to hell. So you enter into a promise when you receive Messiah. But but <laughs> having done so, verse ten, verse eleven says, Be diligent so you don't just rest on your laurels. In the sense, you, you press into what all God has. And there remains, therefore, and I think there's a future um, rest that will be consummated at the very supper of the Lamb that will be greater than anything we've ever experienced here. I had some really, I thought, great quotes from William Lane. He's one of my favorite Bible scholars when it comes to writing commentaries. Um he talks about this term Sabbath. Look at, look at verse 9. Therefore, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now the word as it's spelled here in the Greek, this is the first time that this is used in any Greek literature that's ever been found, this word Sabbath the way it's spelled here. So let me read about that to you. The term received is particular nuance from the Sabbath instruction that developed in Judaism on the basis of Exodus 28-10, where it was emphasized that rest and praise belong together. The term sabbatismos stresses the special aspect of festivity and joy expressed in the adoration and praise of God. In verse 9, this nuance defines the character of the promised rest awaiting the people of God in the consummation. The assertion of verse 10 stands in causal relationship to verse 9. It clarifies why, in the eschatological rest, a sabbatismos will be possible. Whoever has entered the consummation rest will experience the completion of his work, as did God after the creation. Will enjoy the rest that is necessary for the festivity and praise of a Sabbath celebration. So there is going to be a joyous, praise-filled Sabbath celebration when we enter into this festival at the at the end of the age when Christ returns and then we'll really find out what Sabbath rest is all about. <laughs> so, I know Lane had a, a really good way of expressing the already not yet part of that here, but it, the, the, but he's emphasizing that future.
1: By the way, Pastor Hank will tell you that that
0: uh, verse means that we're supposed to be obeying the Old Testament Sabbath. Yeah, I know. I'm going to debate him on the jazz show on uh, May, May 5th, I think. Uh, fact, by well, if you have a Pastor Hank says the church is Israel. Yeah. So no no wonder he's having problems still <laughs> <to> understanding it. <laughs> yeah, Jan and I debate him. yeah. Well, they're all proclaiming, and I can't resist to read this. I was witnessing to a future priest, but they're all proclaiming my message, like the 40 steps, or uh, 12 steps, or, or the karma rest, or uh, my message, my message, my message the latest one on a that I was witnessing his future priest, and I couldn't resist using Mary which the Pope acknowledges to help him with his salvation Anyways, I have to read see it's February 25, 2004 and shows you how people looking for rest and blessing and how they get caught this is from Mary herself dear children also today as never up till now I call you to open your hearts to my message I'm discerning like my message, people (laughs) don't get it. Little children, by those who draw souls to God and not those who distance them, I am with you, as if she were on the present. I am with you and love you with all, all my heart. I call you to be mine, that's Mary, with all your heart, and then you will see that your God is great because he will give you an abundance of blessings and peace, rest. Thank you for having responded to my call. It's always my message the 47 That came from Mary. The latest apparition. Is, who do you, message, The Queen of Heaven. Who do you Queen think? Of Heaven, who do you think Dad really is? Satan in
1: disguise?
0: <laughs> I mean, the sky. I just pounds. wanted to hear you say it, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 my, 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 not the gospel, not Jesus Christ's message, yeah. and they're all con artists, whether they're
0: Protestant or Catholic or whatever, Hindus that don't give the gospel. Yeah, we were talking on uh, radio. I got to talk to Hal Lindsey yesterday on the radio. The second hour of jazz show, we were we were interviewing Hal, who's going to be speaking uh, next Saturday, Friday, Saturday. But anyhow, one of the topics we discussed was how... We were talking about radical Islam and how radical Islam is just regular Islam. It's radical by the nature of the Quran, And it was a very interesting discussion. Uh, Hal Lindsey is a gentleman, and I I really enjoyed talking to him. So we were talking about Islam, and we were wondering, how in the world is Antichrist going to get Islam to cooperate? Because they don't cooperate with anybody. And so we were talking about that, um, Hal said, well, I think... It must have something to do with Second Thessalonians where it says God will send a deluding influence. You know, in the context of Antichrist. And then I pointed out, well, it also says that they believe the lie. And the lie is you should be like God. It was been told in the Garden of Eden. And that's true. I mean, it, uh, everybody wants to be like God. That's why Antichrist is going to give them the opportunity. That'll be just as appealing to a, a Muslim as a Hindu as anybody else. The whole world wants to believe the same lie anyhow. And, see, and, and Hal said, yeah, Satan is ultimately behind all these religions, so he, he'll he just talk to them and don't get out board. <laughs> yeah, you know, they'll get outboard board with the Antichrist. Karin, you had something you would say. Uh, in
1: context with what Dan was saying, that in, in one of his books, Kipling, he's writing from the perspective of this little uh, Indian um, kid over in India, and the boy being converted by this uh Catholic priest and says, Oh yeah, to to trends. I'm gonna to go to New back today. There's
0: Christian that they Mary and you know a dozen or <laughs> And one more goddess. <laughs> Kipling is such a brilliant writer. And it, it, that's uh that's something that we are gonna be talking about. The next CAC article will be coming out. By the way I could probably use mailers. People will help either, I think probably Thursday afternoon. But anyhow, we're going to emphasize very strongly the uniqueness of Christ, as they did on Easter. That Christ is ascended at the right hand of the Father. Because not only are there alternate goddesses, Mary or, you know, Bashti or whatever, I don't know what all they have out there, uh, Pele, um, there are alternate Jesuses. And there are people willing to have Jesus in their pantheon as one of the gods. Yes. And so, if we don't, and, or then, then there's this subconscious Jesus to speak that comes into people's mind and appears. to There's a spiritual Jesus that has a uh, that you have to have a technique to get into an altered state of consciousness so he can get there and talk to you. Uh, what well, we are going to be claiming, and we'll be talking about that in a conference. We're going to have another conference with Brian Flynn in October, and we're going to start working on this material, to have that ready for October, is that <clears throat> this, if Jesus isn't unique and doesn't have the body that he came out of the tomb with and ascended into heaven with, then he opened the door to floodgates to all kinds of Jesuses, Amen. spiritual Jesuses and spirit beings called name Jesus. Sometimes, you know what? This Sunday school class is all new from about 20 years ago. You know what we should do, Dick? We should show that Jose Silva tape to our Sunday school class. I'm going to watch it again anyhow. It's a little bit... Yeah, would you like to see Jose Silva talking about... He, he He's really special because he has Jesus and Mary. And they talk to him. But it's a very interesting debate. As Dave Hunt and uh, John Welland debating Jose Silva, the psychiatrist. And, it, and it's amazing because this whole thing, that was 20 years ago, has all come right back around and right back now to the same issues. Amen. And this another wave of these spiritual Jesuses that appear to people in their subconscious mind and talks to them. And by this guy being an obvious occultist, what it does is it should warn Christians of the danger of this sort of thing that this may not be really the Christ and see the right hand of the Father. Many years ago, I was extremely backslidden. I got involved in hypnosis, and it was quite interesting at the time. It wasn't a spiritual thing for me, but um, just something of interest, and I really got involved in it. One of the things I noticed is that the more I learned about hypnosis, the more I learned about all these different cult things, But they take the same line and they repackage it in different words, different terms, and then they sell it to the the public. It's the same line over and over and over again. Exactly. That's how you start a new religion. Just repackage the same line. It remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Um, So I want you to notice something. The word Sabbath, if you look at Hebrews 4, 5, and 6. Let's look back a little bit. It says in Hebrews 4 or 5, and again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore reigns some to enter. Let's talk about entering rest. But here the terminology changes in verse 9 to Sabbath rest. Okay? So Lane was discussing why the change is synonymously parallel, you know, but yet there's a different nuance to Sabbath rest. Well, it's not saying that it remains for Christians to observe Saturday worship. its not what it's saying at all. Um, but it, it probably takes on this nuance of this celebration that's eschatological. That's what he thinks. By, you turn, by going from um, the original term, katapalsis, to sabbatismos, the term appears to have been coined from a cognate verb, "sabbatize" to observe, to celebrate Sabbath. Um the deliberate choice, Lane says, of Sabbathism, which finds its earliest occurrence in extant Greek literature here, must have been dictated by the fact that it conveyed a nuance not found in katapausis, which means to rest.
1: So, Obama, I think you know it, it, if you look it's that,
0: there remained a Sabbath rest just uh, for the people of God, and um, it goes in Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. Right after, it goes through all all of these people for Old
1: Testament and, and even coming up to possibly some people in the New Covenant. And all these having gained a proof of their
0: faith did not receive what was promised but God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. So the people of God
1: I think are all the people The general of term for all the all people,
0: people of all the ages. And there's going to be this at the end of the age this Sabbath celebration where not apart from us but together with the um, the people under the Covenant are going to be with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the
1: forefathers of old, And there's going to be this huge celebration with all the redeemed of all the ages. And that's this big Sabbath celebration with the people of God throughout all the ages. I think that's
0: probably... I think that's what it means, too. I think ultimately it's looking forward to the eschatological Sabbath. Yep. Uh, And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that if you don't come to Messiah now, you're not going to be a part of that Sabbath.
1: You have to be with Abraham, Isaac.
0: No, you're not. You're going to be cast out where there's... Wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be a dividing. Okay, um, over here, Tammy, Isaiah 11:10. Um, Brian, Revelation 7:14 7, to 17. And Pat, Revelation 21:4. We're talking about this Sabbath rest for the people of God. Okay, Isaiah 11:10. In that day there
1: shall be a birth of Jesse, and shall stand and to the people. And it, to it shall the Gentiles be, and his rest shall be glorious.
0: To, yeah, the root of Jesse, which is Messiah, to, to this root of Jesse the Gentiles will see, and his rest will be glorious. Is that what it says? His rest. So there we go. There's the rest of God that comes through Messiah. Uh, Revelation 7:14 7, through 17. I replied, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white, in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason... They are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His sanctuary. And He who is sitting upon the throne will protect and spread His tabernacle over and shelter them with His presence. There They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun smite them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Will guide them to the springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There is that Sabbath rest, isn't it? That's the ultimate Sabbath rest, is when God does that. That's what we're looking forward to. Wow, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Revelation twenty one, four, Pat. He will wipe
1: away every tear from their eyes.
0: Away. Yep, yep. That's that's better than anything we got here. <laughs> that's better than the laughing revival in just eight. Hey?
1: <laughs> yeah, 70, 72 virgins, seventy-one virgins.
0: Yeah, I don't think that they're gonna get what they think. The martyrs, they're not martyrs. Dude demon possessed Hebrews 4.10 Hebrews 4.10 For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his uh, We've talked about this earlier because this is a, a, not the first time we had an allusion to Genesis 2 and God rested from his work. Now, what we talked about earlier is that in John it says my father is working until now and I work. But here it says God rested from his works. So in what sense did God rest from his works and in what sense God's still working? What do you think? Deep. Creation versus sanctification for the saints. Well, I would say creation versus providence. And it says that he sees the work of creation and since has been carrying along the universe, sustaining and providing providence. Yeah. I to say that he ceased the creation and he continues to work through his word
1: because through his word we regenerated and we have new birth. And through his word, believing in his word, that continues to go out, his word continues to be preached, and his word. Is that we're continuing to express and extend uh, continues to have an effect in salvation. But death, is, death continues to happen. As, was death is the static state of everything else. And his word continues to go forward and bring life.
0: Bring life. Well, I, I'll tell you what Lane did with this that I thought was very interesting. He says that the analogy here is God does his six-day work of creation and then rests. And that in a sense that now that creation is finished and now we're into the, how, how it's going to be until the final judgment or the destruction of this creation. And he says the analogy would be that for us will be when we enter into the new order with Messiah when Messiah returns, that that will be the end of the work that would be characteristic of human life throughout the ages. And that, as those verses that we read, that that will become, in a sense, a new permanent state. Let me see if I can find that quote from from Lane here, from 102. Quite a few things. Um, God's rest is entered by believing. It also takes account of Israel's failure to attain God's rest. Well, that's verse 11. I want to go to verse 10. Whoever here's what he says. Whoever has entered the consummation rest will experience the completion of his work as God did after the creation and will enjoy that re- and will enjoy the rest that is necessary for the festivity and praise of a Sabbath celebration. In Injunction, verses 9 and 10, anticipate the festival of, of the priestly people of God in the heavenly sanctuary, celebrating in the presence of God the eternal Sabbath with unceasing praise
1: and adoration.
0: So the idea is that God finished his work and then enjoys his creation. We finish our work and enter into an enjoyment of Sabbath. Great. All right, That's how it works. We're going to have 14, 14, 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, ye, say the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. Yep. They die, they die and they rest from their labors. Rest from their labors and their works as they've done unto the Lord. Yeah. and In taking Ephesians 8 and, and 10, we'll follow them. That yep, for us. That's a good cross reference. Very good. Okay. Um, so we rest in the Lord. Oh. Was that 14.13? Yes. Yeah. All right. You just got that one. It was on my doorstep.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking ahead, Everplane, right? You're Thinking ahead. <laughs>
0: That's the right cross reference. Eternal Sabbath rest. Let's look at verse eleven. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone falls for the insane example of disobedience. Now we're interpreting the scripture using a context. What did we learn from verse ten? That there is a heavenly rest at the end of the age. Okay? So what does it mean to be diligent to enter that rest in verse 11? Proclaim that rest. Well, we believe in it. Yeah, we have to enter by faith now or we won't participate later. Yes. Run the race that we, we might win. I think you actually talking about coming to salvation.
1: Yes. That's what I used it, the way that you said exactly.
0: I think that this means to come to Messiah because look at the opposite. Look at the last part of the verse let us be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall through the example of disobedience so what would it be to not enter the rest now remember in Hebrews 4 and 3 the word unbelief and disobedience are used synonymously unbelief is to not believe the gospel to disobey the gospel is to not believe the gospel yeah
1: 3.18 says to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient right
0: that they and it says they died because of unbelief. For yep. one, let us I going to talk about this in the sermon today,
1: therefore let us fear
0: that while the promise remains of entering this rest, any of you may seem to have come short of it. Mm. For indeed, we had the goodness preached to us just as they did, but the word they did here did not profit them because it was not united by faith. Yep. For yep. we who have believed enter that rest. Yes, it's so it was interesting that the gospel is received as a free gift by faith, but yet it's something to be obeyed. Uh, according to the New Testament, yes. Maybe I'm not catching your point, but um, why would a non-believer put any effort at all forward to enter into that vessel? Well, he wouldn't unless the Holy Spirit quickens his heart and causes him to. See, this would be, it would be just like preaching the gospel. Uh, I don't know if you read that book, Hard to Believe. Did you read that? Uh, the gospel, the, as it is, it is native form, unsullied, is offensive to everybody. Why would anybody listen to it? A crucified Jewish Messiah, and that's how God's going to save us. Uh, as uh, Rabbi Kushner says, if God can't think of anything better way to solve the problem of the human race and killing his own son, he's not much of a God. So it's an offense. That's how they see it. That's how these unbelievers see it. But yet, it's the only means by which anyone can be saved. All right? And so the alternative, so how, how do we do it? Well, MacArthur says the way you do it is you preach it as it is. This yes, is why well as Jesus preached it and as his apostles preached it. And God will sovereignly use that to save who's going to be saved. Amen. And don't worry about the fact it's offensive, it always has been. Amen. Now, the, the modern church has a different idea. <laughs> the modern church says the gospel's offensive, so let's change it to something that isn't offensive. And what are they changing to? Well, we had the debate what did Greg Boyd said. Say in these last two minutes, Jesus', Jesus love is all I know, and anything in the Bible that seems different to that, we're not going to believe it. We're going to, the Bible has to be interpreted in the light of Jesus and His love. Well, Je- Jesus and His love doesn't sound offensive to anybody, okay? Jesus does, does. Yeah, but yeah, but the same Jesus and His love is going to throw people into hell according to the Bible. No, he doesn't. Not in the debate, he doesn't.
1: Yeah, well, with his final statement,
0: so there was no more time to ask. He pulled that out in his final statement. Hit and run, yeah,
1: and Carla. <laughs> but couldn't referring to the continuing on in believing? You know, like fix your eyes on the whole that before you, and, and it's, uh, you know, all the, the different comments. This is ours. We
0: continue to right. hold on because that is diligent. I mean, just the fact that he says us and you who know, he's speaking to there was enough in diligence
1: to enter that. Yeah, I'm not saying this doesn't apply to Christians, but I am saying it is the gospel. If you don't, it if is at least the gospel, and it can
0: apply to gospel, the gospel is for Christians. Okay, and in other words, the warnings against unbelief, the warnings against disobedience, were yeah. given to Christians, and for why? Well, for there's two reasons, at least.
1: Hey, wait, wait, wait! I'm going to give this in the
0: sermon today, so don't say. <laughs> All right,
1: now you, you, you got to stay for the sermon, or you don't get
0: to find out the answer. All right. Well, we'll, we'll agree. Hey, I have two,
1: points. I have two points on my alpha. One, two. All right. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. All right. Well, anyhow, let's uh, leave that for Ryan to preach. And the point, nevertheless, is that this is the gospel. And the reason I think that's important is that there, there's a, a stream of teaching that's shown up in the church since the very early centuries that is, you can call it whatever you want, it's elitism. But there's always this idea that there's this higher order of Christians. Or that there's a higher order experience, and so you have the ordinary Christians who just have the gospel in their faith. Then you have the elite Christians that have this special experience or special revelation, and they really have it. And so we want to guard against that. They would take a verse like this and say, "Well, that's what we got because we learned the secret." Yeah, Bill. In the 17th century, the name for that was enthusiasm. Yeah, enthusiasm. Yeah. And the uh, the early go oh, wrote. Okay. Cure for was, was what? Oh, really? <laughs> Luther had something to say about the enthusiast, didn't he, Keith? He said, Yeah, you read it. Yeah. He said, It's our duty to, to do exactly the opposite of what these people say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luther <laughs> didn't have <laughs> any time for the enthusiast. But see, there's a thousand versions of it that is kind of warped, but it's sometimes it's called deeper life or. Uh, mystical union. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, mystical union, which, is, you know, keith been badly the current version of it that Greg Boyd's promoting.
1: Luther was an enthusiastic yes, yes, yes. anti <laughs> enthusiast.
0: Yeah. This is exactly the point that laughing in the spirit and slain in the
1: spirit work upon. Is look at me. I've been touched by God, and I, I'm laughing hilariously, or I've been slain in the spirit. It's all look at me.
0: God has touched me, therefore I am something special. Yeah, well, then you have to go to some location to get this because they claim a theophany is going on. That God showed up in uh, Toronto, but he's not in Minneapolis. What's the definition of a theophany? Well, in the Old Testament, it was some sort of a visible manifestation of God. Yeah, exactly. That would be a theophany. And when I debated this guy uh, from. what was the one in Florida? What was their location? The happy Revival in Florida. Pensacola? Pensacola, yeah. I debated a guy over email about this because Bill Bjork into a guy that was part of that. And he says, well, then what this is is a theophany. God showed up in Pensacola, and if you want to get any it, it you got to go to Pensacola. All right. That's <laughs> why so I say, no, thank you. Uh, Dick, I wanted to say something. Ryan, are you going to go after Hebrews 6, 4, 5, and 6? Uh, I'm going after 10, which is almost the same thing. Okay, well, then I'll we'll stay away from it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when you talk about rest, that's why you got to preach hell. The
1: rich, right? you got to preach hell because the rich man said, Let me come out of this place. I'm in torment. Let me go. Do
0: you think he was in rest? He said, Send Touch my tongue. I'm in torment. I'm not in rest. Let's go out and tell.
1: Tell my brother. That's a commonplace place because there's no rest here. And I don't think a lot of Christians understand because they haven't had a
0: heavy load of sin when you get saved. It's like you carry 200 pounds over to that war, and another guy carries an ounce. Sure, that ounce is send him to hell, but he do not sometimes understand the hell of that load and the, the peace you get when you get saved. Amen. You know what, Dan, uh Peace. We're no never taking it. What were we going? We were. acknowledging you were going to hell. What's hell like? It's so awful. It's so terrifying. If you ever studied it, you'd find peace. Oh, my gosh. that peace doesn't even think about going there. Well, you know. Okay, Dad, you know, that's like that woman that was crying at Jesus' feet who was a sinner. And the, and the, and the Pharisee says, Well, he's no prophet because he wouldn't know what manner of woman this is. Remember the little parable he said? He says, who, Who's forgiven much? Love the love much. We've all been forgiven more than you can imagine. Well, that's why when I on the Easter I did I didn't mention that at the end that the resurrection is not a good thing unless you're saved. Unless you're saved, yeah. Well, that just that's
1: kind of what I'm going to be getting into today. Is Hebrews ten speaks of this uh, terrible state of someone who comes to acknowledge of truth of the gospel and then basically. Says tramples on the Son of God and starts insulting the Spirit of grace. and it goes back into this whole issue of
0: God swearing that these people will never
1: enter His rest,
0: and it's 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 terribly scary, and it's not something you hear about that much because, I mean, there there is this scary possibility is, is if you drink it like like Hebrews six talks about drinking in the rain and stuff like that, and not bearing fruit. Um, it's yeah. supposed to be cursed. Well, that's, that, that needs to be preached because yeah, it's here right. for our instruction. That's what John MacArthur points out also. And I think the thing that, if you didn't have any other reason to feel like you need to preach the whole counsel of God on this, just the polls, when they go out and just talk to the average person, 95% of people believe they believe in God and 85% believe they're going, in, going to heaven. Oh, and that's, and say, that's without know. the gospel. Yeah, here's the other thing. I go to church. I go to church. Go to church. The, scary, the real scary thing about Hebrews 10 is you're in a real dangerous, I mean, almost more dangerous if you're going to church and hearing all this stuff and seeing all this stuff and not
1: coming to faith. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah I'm preaching already. You know. <laughs> that's, right. Second, that's, long, that's 2 Thessalonians two eleven
1: 11. such a uh, dangerous Passage because he says, because they did not receive the love of the truth, is to be saved. God sends on them a deluding influence, they'll so be all. That, that they might
0: believe the lie. So God
1: sends the deluding influence on people who don't love the truth. And they have a sense of comfort, they have a feeling of comfort, they have a healing of their memories. They have, a they have all kinds of false comforts. But Dan rightly pointed out, when the chips are coming, they don't have rest.
0: Yeah, duh. I use a, an illustration in the, the article that we're going to publish next week about Micaiah in the Old Testament where there, Ahab wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. And he had 400 prophets telling him what he wanted to hear. They were all prophesying, yeah, go to battle, you're going to win, yep, God's with you, everything's great. 400 prophets. And he says, oh, is there anybody else? Well, we got this Micaiah. Yeah, he never had anything good to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and it turns out that you know this is one of those times in the Bible where they pulled back the screen, you know, where you can see behind the scene of history, that there was that there were these lying spirits sent from God yeah. to to uh, entice Ahab to go into the battle because he was that, Ahab didn't love the truth. The,
1: the, <laughs> that person, he's that person that's, that they have void... And the guy came back and said, well, Micaiah was deceiving the people with that vision. He was saying that the deceiving spirit vision was false, and that the prophet Zedekiah was, was actually doing Micaiah a favor smacking him in the face.
0: Really? Yeah. Boy, they, they sure have a creative way of an understanding so the Bible. It gets so upside down in that theology. I, I went to
1: school at Bethel College, and I had to sit under all this stuff, and it does, it gets so upside down Positive
0: examples of scripture sometimes turn into the negative ones. Yeah, it just makes you want to blow your
1: hair <laughs> <laughs> out. <laughs> we would do it. The,
0: those, that, those that have here would pull it out. That almost reminds me of a Jerry Flower story, but I told them i to do that. I'm not Jerry <laughs> in town, they had a barber for 25 cents. He'd cut hair just as long as it lasted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then when the hair was gone, then
0: 25 cents was used up. <laughs> Let us be diligent to enter that rest. How do you enter the rest? Messiah. Messiah. Hebrews 4.2, earlier in this chapter, keeping in mind the context. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us just as they also But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So the idea was you hear the word, which is the gospel, and put faith in it by God's grace. What will happen is that you will enter into rest. And you rest from your own works. Now, I think, again, there's an already not yet in that. We rest from our works now in the sense that Laboring, Remember what Jesus said in the context of his debate with these Pharisees and scribes, Come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, the yoke that they had was the yoke of Sabbath-keeping regulations. Jesus was delivering people from the law. In the sense of trying to keep the law and then failing anyhow and of just laboring works righteousness, works righteousness, works righteousness, and never achieving it because he's a sinner, where he offers a free gift of salvation and a true Sabbath rest. That's why the uh, author of Hebrews be, would be just so sick, if be like that Pastor Hank that looks at that it that remains a Sabbath rest to enter. are <laughs> yeah, using to that, to, that bondage. to go back. Go yeah. back to what we've been yeah, doing Pastor Hank is putting it back under the yoke of bondage. And um, I'm going to tell him that on the radio.
1: <laughs> but I'm going to be very polite. I'll be very polite, but
0: say, Pastor, Hank, hey, you're putting people into bondage. And uh, well, the, the, the debate topic is going to be that the church, whether or not the church is Israel. That's fine, because that
1: gets back into Sabbath. goes right
0: back to Sabbath anyhow. That's why he commands people to keep Sabbath, because the church is the new Israel, so now the new Israel's got to keep the laws of the old Israel. Um. <laughs> well, Jan and I will have fun with you. I think it's on May 5th. And then May 22nd we're interviewing John MacArthur. Wow. I get to talk to John MacArthur. You want to touch me?
1: <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> 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 he does <laughs> yeah, he'd
0: be calling, calling us on
1: uh, May 22nd. <laughs> I talked to Hal Lindsey yesterday, and I talked to yeah, That's somebody.